Welcome to Paint Radio with your host, Emily Howard and Andrew Dwyer. Thank you, voice guy. This is Andrew Dwyer, publisher of American Painting Contractor with Emily Howard. Emily, how are you? I'm great, thanks. You know, the voice guy, he asked me if he could have a day off. And of course, that's insane. The answer is no. That's right. How, how can he ask for a day off? I mean, we have a lot to do. We don't. He's we don't a busy take. Guy. We don't take days off. Soon he's going to ask if he can play shortstop on the APC softball team. <laughs> That's my position. <laughs> There's no end. It's the it's the thin edge of the slippery slope, Emily. We're not going to put up with that. I agree. You don't. I don't sense the uh, anger and resentment from you, and and I, I need mean, anger and resentment. I told him he could have the day off. So I knew it. <laughs> so welcome to Paint Radio, Andrew and Emily. We thought we would do something different today because certainly, as you all know, as Emily knows, she works with somebody who is absolutely not funny, and that would be me. And so we thought, let's do something different, and let's have somebody on who's who's got some wit, some clever, some wisdom, some sense of humor. And sure enough, that's who we found in Drew Tarvin. Drew uh, you may have seen him on YouTube with his many uh, presentations. He's a speaker. He's an author. And he talks to companies and individuals and everybody who will listen about how to use humor to be more effective, especially in the workplace. And and that and a big part of that is just having more fun on the job. And there's certainly that's one thing that we focus on at, at, at Paint Radio and at APC is how painting contractors can have more fun, be more satisfied. So... Drew Tarvin, we're excited that you you uh, created some time for us. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. How are the two of you? Well, I, I feel like I'm already getting over the resentment toward the voiceover guy um, trying to ask for a day off because I'm, I'm sure you know, Drew. This it just if you you give an inch, they'll take a mile, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, the, I think there's one thing if we if we can learn one thing from Frozen, you got to let it go sometimes. Right? <laughs> That's true. That feels like a throwback, and I'll take it because there's no better song. Maybe we'll work on that later. I'm always ready to sing. That'll be the first time I've ever heard you sing. So it won't be the last. So we can work that in. Uh-huh. That's kind of like Chekhov's gun. You can't mention you singing and not sing by the end of this. This thing is over. I think. <laughs> Just so you know, it's I done. Agree. I'll get on the table. Whatever. It doesn't matter. You don't even have to ask me twice or twist the arm. So, Drew. Um, I've seen your TEDx talk. Um, I've watched a lot of your stuff. It's fascinating stuff. Let's um, start with just the general principle that, you know, obviously we all have friends who who are funny. They know they're funny. They think they're funny. Um, and that's great for them. But then we've got other friends who are really shy and they maybe they don't think they're funny. So when you work with people, what? how do you get them over that initial skepticism or hesitancy, sh- fear, shyness, whatever it is, to convince them that, yes, let's embrace your humor, that you are funny. How does that work? So uh, the first thing I think to understand is that humor is a skill. Uh, and if it's a skill, it means that it can be learned. Because uh, I'm someone who's done over a thousand shows as a stand-up comedian, improviser, storyteller. I've spoken or performed in all 50 states in 22 countries, six continents. And when I went to my high school reunion not too long ago, people found out that I did comedy and they're like, but you're not funny. <laughs> and uh, that's because growing up, I was never the life of the party or the class clown, right? I was voted uh, a teacher's pet my senior year. 
But, you know, there's there's components to humor that are things that anyone can learn, things like structure and timing and uh, how to create, you know, different kind of uh, mashups and associations together. And so they're all things that we can learn. And so what we say in our programs is that we can make anyone funnier, not necessarily across the board funny. You won't necessarily come to something that we do or read the book or things like that and then immediately have a Netflix comedy special. But you will have a better understanding of how humor and comedy work and then how you can kind of apply those strategies for your own kind of life. And, you know, my focus is in work of how you actually get better results in the workplace. So that's interesting that you you talk about structure and and learning and all of those things, because your background is actually you're an engineer. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So I have a, a degree in computer science and engineering from The Ohio State University. And in a way, comedy is a logic problem to be solved. It's kind of like, how do I combine this idea with this idea, put it into a structure that then creates laughter? So how did you come to this? Because um, now you've, you've got a company that's called Humor That Works. Uh, how did you go from being an engineer to running this company? Yeah, so I've always been an engineer, always been kind of obsessed with efficiency. Like, how do you do things as efficiently as possible? And we kind of joke, so my full name is Andrew, but I go by Drew because it's the more efficient form of my name, right? It's one syllable, (laughs) only four letters. Uh, So I've always been obsessed with efficiency, thus the degree in engineering. And I went to, I started working at Procter & Gamble after I graduated. And it was at P&G that I realized that you couldn't be efficient with people. Right. You can be efficient mm-hmm. with tasks. You can, you know, try to work on your computer as fast as possible or, you know, in this case for some of the people out there, like, you know, painting something as fast as possible, getting the right strokes and the having the most efficient setup for all of the um, uh, resources and everything that you're using. But you can't be efficient with the humans that you have to interact with, whether it's the clients or the people that you hire, uh, because humans have emotions and feelings and uh, you know, they get sick and tired and have to eat and sleep and all of those things. And so instead of being efficient, you have to be effective. And I didn't growing up necessarily have the, the key skills I needed to be effective. I'm a stereotypical nerd of, you know, an introvert and sometimes socially awkward, uh, particularly growing up. But uh, in college, I started doing improv and stand-up comedy, and I started to realize that some of the thing, same skills you need to be effective as an improviser or, or comedian on stage are actually some of the same skills you need to be effective as uh, a human and a, a leader in the workplace. And so those skills, is that just being confident in yourself, that you present, uh, what, you present confidence, not arrogance, that, that people warm up to you? Is that, how, how does embracing one's humor make them a better leader? Is, that, is it going, how will it help them with their employee, employees? Yeah, I mean, part of it's 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 a confidence thing. Part of it is, you know, it's it's a simple thing in in the sense of, and I, I'll ask the two of you this question. It's a it's a dumb question, but still kind of actually want an, an answer. Uh, but would you rather do something that is fun or not fun? Oh, I know. I work with Emily, so I prefer not fun. <laughs> oh, you joking. took the words right out of well, my mouth. Well, <laughs> see, you got it. You got to be quick on the punchline there. Uh, I choose fun. I choose fun. Boom. Yeah, right? Most people are going to choose fun. So if you can make your own work a little bit more fun, you're more likely to do it. You're going to stay engaged in it longer. You're going to be more uh, productive. You're going to enjoy that process a little bit more. Same thing if you can make the experience for 
a client or for your employees a little bit more fun, they're going to stay engaged. In fact, um, they did one study and they found that 81% of employees said a fun workplace would make them more productive. And 55% of employees in that same survey said that they would actually take less pay if their job was more fun. Because people realize that they spend, you know, the average person worked 90,000 hours in their lifetime, right? 90,000 hours, that's longer than everything that is on Netflix. Like that is so like too long of a time not to enjoy a little bit more of what you do. And so that's kind of the starting point. But we go into a deeper dive of, you know, humor has incredible benefits across all pieces of the workplace in terms of improving communication skills and getting people to pay attention and relieving stress and uh, helping you to think a little bit more creatively. So there's all these benefits to using humor in the workplace. Uh, and that's what we try to, to share with people is, you know, this is not really a, a nice to have anymore, but in today's overworked, underappreciated, stress-filled, sleep-deprived world, it's really kind of a must-have. So I think it's it's interesting that you're talking about all of this because, you know, one thing that we're facing in the painting industry is uh, a, a lack of participation, I guess. Many contractors have more work that they can handle, and they're, they're having a difficult time bringing people into the industry. The turnover is heavy in this, in this space. You know, a lot of young people will come into it for a short time while they're in their younger years until they move on to a different type of career. But contractors and owners struggle desperately with uh, getting people in to the industry and able to, to stay with it. How can contractors basically convey the, the fun that they're able to have in, in their companies outside of their own work environment? I think that the, you know, I think it's a challenge that a lot of industries are facing in, in the sense of, yeah, how do you keep engaged employees? How do you attract good talent and then retain that talent once they're there? And I think, you know, the attraction piece, part of it is how you communicate you know, the message and, and something where, uh, you know, if you add a little bit of fun or even incongruity as a way to get people to pay attention, then they're going to listen a little bit more. You know, we say that if you get people to laugh, you get them to listen. If you get them to listen, then you can get them to learn or you can take them, you can get them to take action. And so part of it might be in how you're communicating the, the role out there. How are you having a little bit more uh, fun so that people are saying, oh, okay, this isn't just a task that I have to come in and do, but there is some ownership. There's some autonomy uh, that we can can take because if if all you talk about or focus on is the actual task at hand, you know that people start to think, wait, do you want me or expect me to be a robot? What's uh, how do I actually get engaged in this work? How do I? How is it not just a task that I'm completing, but I have some ownership in that work? How can I be a little bit creative in, in what I'm doing? And that's not to say be creative and and they say, hey, paint a certain wall, a certain color, and you create a mural, but more of in the how. Um, showing that you have fun in the how. And then I think the, the retention piece is where if you show that, you know, the, the process itself is fun, where you can find ways to make the, the work more fun, because that's one of the other things that is important to understand about humor in the workplace is that we're not talking about, you know, becoming a stand-up comedian and that as a business owner, you have to tell punchlines as a way to get people to care about what you do. You know, it's less about making the workplace funny and more about making the workplace a little bit more fun. Just doing something a little bit different, uh, a little bit more interesting so that, you know, people are, are amused that they, you know, don't necessarily laugh, but maybe they bring a smile to their face and, as part of that process. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I would imagine, you know, considering you were an engineer at Procter & Gamble, I'd be curious to know, how did you start to incorporate this into your teams and the people you were working with there? Um, engineers are not a notoriously funny group, I don't think. I would imagine that you had a bit of an uphill battle, but I could be totally wrong. So how'd that go? 
Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, engineers are still human. I know that we don't always um, behave that way, or it doesn't always seem that way. But you know, I've I've never met a single human without a sense of humor. I've met people with very specific senses of humor, where maybe they don't laugh in the workplace all that much, or there's only certain things that have life. But I think one of the very human qualities that we have that separates us from uh, you know the increasingly um, number of like robots that we interact with every single day is a sense of humor. So every humor human has one. It's a matter of kind of finding what it is. But for me, I started simply just by adding jokes at the ends of my emails because I love puns and wordplay. And so I'd add jokes at the end of my emails. I would teach improv exercises to my team resources. Uh, I would give presentations. And I was doing presentations not on particularly exciting topics. I was a project manager and we were, you know, going through some compliance projects that we had to do. And so rather than keeping, you know, uh, a bunch of text on the slides, I would add images. And I remember one of the first things I started doing in presentations was I'd, I had recently learned that Hitchcock is in pretty much every single one of his films, like in the background somewhere or as a silhouette, very much like Stan Lee in a, a lot of the Marvel films. And I was like, oh, I want to I want to be in each one of my presentations. And so I started to find ways to add pictures of me in my presentation, whether it was, you know, a picture of me as a kid that told a story that was relevant to the topic or, um, you know, me kind of the shape of my head done in Excel data um, <laughs> as a background, like just fun things for myself. And what I noticed was that as I started to have more fun in what I did, people in my meetings started to have more fun. They started to add a little bit more of their own humor, but they also appreciated it. They were much more likely to open my emails because of the jokes at the bottom of them, and they're much more likely to come to my meetings because they knew, oh, this isn't going to be terrible like so many other meetings are. You know, I think that it's, it was interesting when you said the goal is not to become funny or super funny, but just to have fun. And I think so I think about the, the genre of humor called dad jokes, which I got to say, I'm a dad, and I think dad jokes are hilarious because to me, they're just somebody embracing who they are. I'm dumb. This is a dumb joke. And that makes it hilarious because, Drew, I, you know, if I see a banana, it's going to my head and I'm going to say, like I'm holding the phone, yellow. And I got to be honest, dude, there's just, there's nothing funnier. That's the funniest thing I ever said. And you got to answer the banana phone. <laughs> so, and you got to say yellow. It's uh, it's just disarming. It's goofy, but it's endearing because you're embracing your goofiness. And so I think getting back to people who may not think they're that funny. And that's we talk about like uh, certainly origin stories are now popular in, in presentations about whether your origin story of a leader, what's your origin story as far as a comedian. Um, and, and you talked a bit about that, that, that you were always funny, but you were also kind of nerdy. And then you started doing improv and, and stand up. So when we're talking to people who don't think of themselves as that funny, just embracing the fun, whether it's like you're talking about adding something clever, witty in an email, in a, in a PowerPoint presentation, can that be the first step for somebody who's really hesitant to take the first step? It absolutely can. And I think one of the things that you touched upon is really important is by bringing your sense of humor to the, the workplace, you remind people of your humanity, like the that you are, in fact, a human. And so, uh, for example, I was working with the CEO uh, doing some some coaching with them, and he wanted to find a way to better connect with his employees. He was like, you know what, I'm pretty good with my 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 board members, with my fellow kind of VPs and senior executives, but you know, I'm not connecting with my 
uh, you know, two, three, four levels down employees, the people that, you know, are new to the organization. And he had recently just, you know, told me that he had asked me for some knock-knock jokes because his <laughs> kids love knock-knock jokes. <laughs> and uh, so I told him, I was like, listen, I think what you should do is you should start each one of your team meetings with a knock-knock joke. And, um, or a couple of knock, knock jokes. And he's like, that's stupid. <laughs> um, but I was like, all right, so go ahead and give it a try. And so he, he tried it, he came back and he was surprised. He was like, listen, I, I still think it was silly, but it was interesting because it started off a little bit awkward. The first joke, there was kind of polite laughter. The second one, there was a little bit more laughter. The third one, you know, was a pretty good knock, knock joke and they laughed. And he's like, the interesting thing is that afterwards people came up to me and people that I hadn't really met all that much and someone that was a new hire came up and they gave me knock-knock jokes to give to my kids. And it created an avenue for them to have a conversation because what he reminded his employees of was that he was a father first and CEO second. And nice. sometimes we forget that you know, the other person on the other side of a, an email or the other side of a phone call or the other side of a, a conference desk is a fellow human being, right? They're not just a resource for us to give work to um, and then give money to later, right? They are a human with human emotions, human lives, uh, human feelings, human goals, and humor can be a great way to remind people of that humanity. So to, to your exact point, if you love dad jokes, you could kick off meetings kind of with dad jokes, or you could include them at the end of your email just as a, a, a reminder. It's not, you know, replacing the work, but just as an additional thing. And that's a great place where people can start is that to use humor in the workplace, you don't have to be the creator of humor. You don't have to be the one coming up with these dad jokes. Instead, you can be the shepherd of humor, the conduit of humor. You can just find interesting jokes that you like and share at the bottom. Or, you know, you can share a TEDx talk that made you, you laugh with your team. Or, you know, you can use images with a Creative Commons license in your presentations. Like, you don't have to be the creator of it, but you should be the, the conduit and the shepherd of it. I love that example of the knock-knock jokes because it is. It's very humanizing. It's disarming. Um, well, it and breaks you, down like barriers, right. you know, the barrier, the natural barriers that you that you can have with, with your employees or customers And when you or build that up, that's and, – and Drew, it's interesting that you mentioned TEDx, that we you and I have something in common there. Of course, you have your – I gave a TEDx talk just like you did. I noticed that your TEDx talk has uh, something like 4,300,000 – 500 views and and my talk very similarly has 500 views so um, we're walking the same path man we're, <laughs> Actually, I'm right there with those you 500 people are I imagine better for for having seen it right whether oh. it's it's 4 million or 500 it's you know it's still making a positive impact on the world and that's the same thing even with using humor if you're like you know versus I've, I've presented in front of 35,000 plus people live um, but even if it was just 10 for a set of employees you're, you're still having an impact on those 10 lives I watched it 470 times. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, and speaking of that TEDx talk, one of the things you mentioned is uh, when you're talking about humor, um, how not to be offensive, how not to be inappropriate. And so you think about somebody like Michael Scott, who is like the poster child, even though that show is hilarious because it's so uncomfortable and hard to watch. <laughs> he's the poster child of, of inappropriate humor, even though he's a lovable guy. Any advice on how people who are worried that they'll be inappropriate, how can you walk the line to not cross the line into inappropriate? Andrew needs to listen hard to yeah. this answer. I'm not, I'd say I'm asking for a friend, but nobody's going to buy that. This is for me. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I think that uh, one, I, I don't know anyone who's ever been fired because of a bad joke. Like I know people who have been fired because of an inappropriate joke, but not a, a bad joke. And, you know, so uh, a bad joke is, and I think I shared this example in the, the TEDx talk, a bad joke is uh, something like I once had to miss class because of hypothermia. I was too cool for school. <laughs> hey right? It's a, it's a silly joke, a little wordplay, right? Uh, but an inappropriate joke is typically an inappropriate joke because it either has an inappropriate topic, an inappropriate target, or comes at an inappropriate time. So, you know, using humor isn't an excuse to then talk about something that you would not talk about otherwise in the workplace. Um, you know, blue, what we call blue humor, things like sex and drugs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it could have an inappropriate target. So, you know, sometimes sarcasm and satire, we have a, a target and we enjoy that. That's great for kind of personal humor sometimes of us kind of poking fun at people back and forth. But if you don't know someone very well and you start making fun of them right away, they see it as aggressive humor as opposed to just kind of playfulness. And so yep. you want to make sure that you don't have an inappropriate target. And then the final piece is that you don't want it to come at an inappropriate time. Right? We, we joked about the song Let It Go, but you know if you've just fired someone, it's not the time to kind of bust out your own rendition, rendition of it and be like, I've got to let you go, let you go, you know, can't be back anymore. Right? Like, <laughs> that would be inappropriate. That level of song. Yeah, that would be inappropriate. Uh, and I think the general rule to keep in mind, one, is positive inclusive, but think about uh, the newspaper rule. So we say the newspaper rule is just would you want whatever it is that you said or did showing up in the front page of your hometown newspaper for your boss or your employees or your mom to read uh, in the newspaper? And if you're like, ah, I don't know if I'd want that to get out, then it's probably not appropriate humor in the workplace. Common sense. Yeah. That's good rule of thumb, yeah. I think, there. I would also – I'm always amazed how funny <laughs> – young people are and social media and the memes that go around are hilarious you i don't know if these are unemployed 22 year olds in the basement i don't care they're it's gold no and they're making 200 dollars an hour i don't know but <laughs> but i would well, guess and, go ahead well, millennials are the millennials are the first generation to say that they want fun as a core value of where they work mm. and so if you are not kind of pitching to people that you're trying to bring in that you do have fun on the job and that it's not, you know, uh, hard work and all that. Because the interesting thing is like having a fun, having a laugh, I, and I don't remember who said it and I don't remember the exact phrase, but there's this idea out there that laughter is, it, it's a mini vacation. Hmm. It's a mini respite in the middle of kind of a, a period of stress. And so it can be that thing that people are seeking. So if you are not kind of showing that you have some level of fun and that people are going to enjoy the work that they do, you're going to be missing out on, on top talent. And I think, and maybe, I don't know if this is off topic, but for a lot of people, maybe they, they think they're not that funny, but they can develop a great sense of humor where they can be an, uh, a patron of the humor arts. And even if they can't be that funny, they can appreciate the humor. And I think that's a great lesson for everybody, you know, whether it's sarcasm or trash talking, I think, we should be able to tell when trash talking is meant to injure and belittle and when trash talking is purely meant to be funny. And I'm definitely speaking for myself. I don't want to belittle somebody, but man, I got a line in my head. I got to let it out. Otherwise I'm going to get gas. I got to <laughs> let it out. And it's funny. And people who know me know that I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just a jerk. <laughs> well, and, and the, a big part of, so, you know, a way to keep, to make sure that your humor is appropriate, what we teach is called your humor map. 
and that stands for your medium audience and purpose, where your medium is how you're going to execute the humor. Is it in an email or is it in a one-on-one conversation? Is it to a large group of people, right? That like is going to dictate how the humor works. So we know that things like sarcasm, very difficult to, to figure out if someone's trying to be funny or if they're actually like being aggressive in an email. Then the, the audience piece is who who's receiving that humor. What do they know? What do they need? What do they expect? And what's your relationship to them? So you know that a joke that you make with Emily because you guys get together, you know, you know each other pretty well, is very different than what you might make with a, a client for the very first time right. meeting them. And that relationship impacts, you know, whether something feels, hey, this is kind of us just bonding together versus, oh, wow, that was kind of aggressive. And then the last piece is the purpose and why are you using humor? So because I'm an engineer, humor just for the sake of humor, just for the, the workplace to be fun is fine, but you get so much, so many better benefits to it that if you use it more kind of specifically and, and are clear on what your purpose is to say, oh, I'm trying to use humor to get people to pay attention to my job recruitment ad. Oh, okay, great. Then you can use some incongruity or, oh, I'm trying to use humor to build rapport with this client okay, then I'm going to use more affiliative kind of uh, interactive humor, right? When you know that purpose and you have that clarity, it makes it a little bit easier to determine the type of humor to use to get the results that you're looking for. Affiliative. See, now that's just a funny word. Affiliative. <laughs> I'm going to start using that more often. Well, we've got, uh, we, we did plan something where we're kind of nearing the end of our time here. But one thing that we wanted to try is, Drew, you said that you teach improv and it sounds like you te- you've taught improv for a long time now um and you kind of recommend this as a, as a good way of getting things going is that right yeah so uh improv and specifically you know a lot of our programs use applied improv so we teach improv exercises not just for being able to get up on stage and, and make things up but more how it applies to effective communication skills or being able to create humor paying attention a little bit more to to the world Okay, so, and this was actually, was my idea. This was your idea. Which is awful because I really don't want to do this. She's moving toward an improv thing. And when she said one thing we have planned, planned in the sense that there's absolutely no planning whatsoever other than Emily mentioned it. And Drew, that's improv, though. Drew unfortunately agreed to it. Yes. Yeah, no, it so is So that's improv. the plan. So, no, I'm happy. To, and, and this is the thing is everyone can, can improvise. You guys are going to be fantastic at this. So um, we're going to do an improv exercise. This is a way to kind of demonstrate and uh, what we're going to do is we'll, we'll go around kind of in a, in a group of three. So uh, I'll start, and then Emily, you'll go, and then Andrew, you can go after that. And simply, we're going to have a conversation. But the conversation is unique in the sense that uh, after I finish speaking and say the first line, each new line of dialogue has to begin with the last letter of the last word that was just said. Oh, man. Okay. So the last letter of the last word that was just said. So, for example, if I just said, um, uh, hey, this was a, a fantastic podcast. Thank you for having me on. Uh, that ends in the letter N. So then, Emily, your response would have to begin with the letter N. So you might say something like, uh, now that you've done it, hopefully you've had a good time and we're, you're ha- we're happy that you're here. Ends in E, so then you'd, you know, Andrew, you'd have to pick up with the letter E. Does that make sense as far yeah. as the instructions go? Yep. It does. Perfect. Oof. Excellent. So I hope I've had um, enough coffee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in fact, I am going to make things a little bit simpler for you, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with that line. This has been a fantastic podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, and I don't. Oh! I knew it. She's so bad. <laughs> Now we know she's terrible. Okay. <laughs> he even told you, use the word now. I know. Good Lord. 
now we'll pass it over to Andrew. <laughs> well, I'm just glad everybody was able to come out. I know I've got a lot of fans out there, and uh, I think now that people have seen Drew, unfortunately I now pair, pale in comparison because he's actually got talent and I'm just a hack. Keep it clean. Keep it fun. You know, you can be you can be just as good uh, or also be good in addition to me being good on the, the same podcast. I think we've all had a lot of fun together. Research shows that humor <laughs> really helps in the workplace. Everything we've discussed here, I think, is uh, is useful, thankful because we have Drew here, what you and I say, especially you, doesn't offer too much help. But unfortunately, I think, you know, we're running out of time and uh, I got to go down and uh, give some water to my ox. Xerox is one of those companies that I'm looking forward to looking forward uh, to, to working with in the in the future, just as I've looked forward to, to working with all of you. Right. So we'll, we'll stop the exercise there. Uh, because you don't look a, forward to working with us one. again. Yeah, uh, yeah, because that's a lie. No, uh, and so this is yeah, this is a simple uh, improv exercise called first letter, last letter. It you know creates laughter because it creates yeah. kind of uh, a difference. But the interesting thing is you can also debrief this, right? So afterwards you can talk about it, and this is what we do in our program. So in this particular program, often we'll ask people, you know, how is the exercise, and um, you know how is, and I'll ask you the, this quick question, and then we, we can start to wrap up. Is how is this conversation different than normal conversation when we're doing this exercise? Well, obviously you're you're being, it's artificial in the sense that you're being driven by not your thoughts and content. You're being driven by this artificial construct of using a specific letter, and then and that sort of crucifies everything else you say. It's hard to say something meaningful. Because you're so not focused on content, you're focused on structure. But you're also listening. It is right? active listening. I mean, you do listen pretty intently, nervously. And sometimes <laughs> even that doesn't help. Doesn't it? Yeah, well, I think, yeah. And I think I you, you, you raised two great, <laughs> you raised two great, great points there. One is that it changes what you're thinking about. And mm -hmm. sometimes within humor, we want to create structures. Because a lot of times people think either being funny or even just being creative is all about being completely unrestricted and free. But the reality is that we as humans suffer from the paradox of choice. And by having too many options, we become paralyzed by all of those options. Being creative is similar in that way. And so by giving ourselves certain constraints or structures like an improv exercise, it actually makes the creativity easier. You probably would not have mentioned anything about an ox if not for wanting to set me up with a letter X. Right. right? And, that's, and so I butchered that whole line because all I could think about was ox. <laughs> like, how do I get the ox? Um, so it does change, you know, what you're thinking about. But then the the really interesting thing about this exercise, and Emily, you kind of mentioned about it, is that you really have to listen because so often in normal conversation we are listening to respond, right? We someone starts talking, we get a sense of what they're talking about, and then while they're still talking, we start to formulate a response in our head, and then we're just waiting for them to shut up so that we can drop knowledge on them. Right. And that's very different than listening to understand or as Covey called it, seek first to understand then to be understood. One of the seven habits of highly effective people and listening to respond is an attempt at efficiency. Right. It's about making things go a little bit faster, whereas listening to understand is really about understanding what is the emotion behind what they're saying and making sure that the person not only speaks, but also that they feel heard. And that's a big part of us being more effective in the workplace. And, and listening, that power of observation is actually really, really key to being able to create humor. 
some of the best comedians are introverts or they're naturally more quiet on their own because they're observing the world. And if you're not present and fully present in the moment and kind of making observations, very difficult for you to use kind of off the cuff humor. And so all of that kind of comes from one improv exercise. And then the other benefit to doing improv is that it gives you a chance to practice those skills, right? You just now practice the ability to listen a little bit more intently. You practice the skill of coming up with something on your feet. And rather than that all happening, say, with the client or with your your managers in the workplace, having done it in improv, it's now you know a safe environment for you to be able to, to practice that. So tremendous benefits to using improv. It's also a great way to, to train different ideas. And certainly people can take that exercise and, and do it with some of their team as just kind of a, a team-building warm-up type activity and, and debrief it kind of in a, in a similar way. But it's a, improv is a fantastic tool to, to be able to use as a way to use humor in the workplace. And I would, you know, as somebody who just went through that, I like to think that I'm, I'm pretty comfortable speaking, whether it's in front of a group or in front of this microphone. Um, but there was definitely some, uh, some tension and awkwardness and sort of overthinking about myself. And I'm sure that's what happens when people first get involved in improv, but you talk a lot about improv and you also talk about the core concept. As far as I know, I haven't done improv, the whole concept of yes and. Could you talk just a little bit about how that concept can help people embrace humor? Yeah, so the, the fundamental mindset of improvisation is is yes and, and it's kind of often juxtaposed to yes but, which is kind of a default mentality mm. that we often have of, of to say, hey, we could do this thing, yes, but here are all the things wrong with it. Or, you know, someone comes to you with an idea, someone new in your organization comes up and you're like, ah, yes, but we tried that a couple of years ago and didn't work out. And yes, but really is a no, right? In mm. improv, we say it's a no in a tuxedo. It's a nice way to say no, <laughs> um, right? Whereas yes and is about building off of things. And yes and isn't about the literal phrase yes and, because someone could be like, oh, we should do this. And you can be like, yes, and you're an idiot. Uh, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, yes and is more about the mindset. And the mindset isn't saying yes to everything, but it's saying yes to the one thing that you do like about something or the one thing that you build off of. And that mindset, one, helps you to grow in an improv scene rather than you know if someone's like, oh my God, there's a dog over there. And the other person is like, yes, but it's really just a rock. Like in an improv scene, you might get a small chuckle out of that, but it doesn't really move the scene forward. And the same is true when it comes to brainstorming ideas or for us building relationships. If you do the actual exercise of yes and, you also feel that yes and is more positive. When you know the other person is going to say yes and, you're more willing to take a little bit more of a risk or share something out there because you know they're not going to make fun of you. And that allows you to create something called psychological safety, which has been shown to be one of the most important attributes for a long-term effective team. And so yes and is a great mindset to to incorporate and to to build off of and works for you know improvisation, but also tremendous other applications in the workplace. And then the last thing that I'll say kind of about that is yes and is a mindset is kind of like saying, yes, I am going to work 90,000 hours in my lifetime and I might as well enjoy it. That's, man, I, I love like that. That's a, that's a great concept, a lot to think about. Um, Drew Tarvin, thank you so much for coming on with us and everybody listening. Uh, really go to his website, which is drewtarvin.com. Tarvin is T-A-R-V-I-N.com, drewtarvin.com. He's got several books. He's got the TEDx talk. He's got multiple videos. Uh, it really is inspiring because he's he's funny and he really does he's just very likable and and he will inspire you to embrace your funny and 
as we're talking about, everybody works better, works more collaboratively when they're having fun. And so, Drew, thank you so much for being on Paint Radio. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. And as you mentioned, certainly uh, DrewTarvin.com. We also have a website called HumorThatWorks.com where there's tons of resources there on getting started using humor because that's our, our mission is to you know help the world to be funnier so that it can be effectiver. Um, more than happy <laughs> to answer uh, questions that uh, that people have. Uh, they can find me on social media at Drew Tarvin if they, they love puns and wordplay so they can connect with me there. But certainly if they have any questions, let me know. And the last thing that I'll kind of leave with, well, two things. The, the first is one thing that we encourage people to think about is one smile per hour. You know, what's something that you can do each hour of the day uh, that brings a smile to your face or the face of someone else as a way to start to develop a humor habit? Because the humor isn't, you know, what you do in the workplace, it's how you do it. And then the last thing is we have set up that some point you were going to sing, Andrew, and we haven't heard that yet. So I feel like yes. there's got to be some part uh, to a close. Um, trying to don't remember. Think you're getting away what with were it. the lyrics of uh, Let It Go? Of course, that's a very hard song to sing. What, name a song, Emily. What do you want to hear? You know, I don't answer direct questions, Andrew. I want to hear Let It Go. Let it go, let it go. I don't know any of the words. That's good, that's what good. is it? I think that's Give as much as we're going <laughs> to... Give me the lyrics. No, no. I, I can't remember. You, you can't... I'm not going to take it anymore or something like that? I don't think that's right. No, yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, I'm a big fan of sticks. Okay, do sticks. Um, domo arigato, Mr. Roboto. Of course, I don't know any of the words after that. I'm yeah. Spanish. What and can I, I say? I'm, multi, I'm multilingual. I don't even realize. Oh, I'm so and, skillful. Uh, in the pre-call, you guys said I sounded like Dana Carvey, so you could always do a little chopping broccoli. Oh, see, you yes. are old enough to get that reference. I love that. Chopping broccoli, chopping broccoli. Anybody can sing that song because that's just. Oh. I like that's it. comedy. We need. Uh, yeah, this is comedy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. And I also want to challenge our readers out there who are listening to this, our readers, our listeners. Um, if you guys find any instance where you're using humor in the in the workplace, we'd love to see it. So send us over an audio, send us over a story that can be written, or if you want to send us videos, send it over to eHoward at ColumbiaBooks.com, and we will share it on our social media. Thanks for listening to Paint Radio. I'm Andrew. She's Emily, DrewTarvin.com, HumorThatWorks.com. Go to paintmag.com slash paintradio to listen to more inspiring and occasionally funny, though we don't try to be podcasts. Have a great day, everybody. 